My name is Jake. I wanted to tell you, make this message, because if anything happens to me and any of my friends, somebody needs to know what's going on. I can't tell you where I live or my last name. You just have to trust me that what I'm talking about is real. This is a real place, a real town. It may even be your town. Welcome to Thought Speak, a podcast dedicated to the weekly discussion of K.A. Applegate's 1996 book series, Animorphs. My name is Coleman. And my name is Mitchell. Normally, I am super excited to get into these discussions. And, you know, that is still very much the case tonight because our, our subject for the the evening is i will go ahead and say my favorite animorph book thus far anyway i mean that might still change as we're going through the series but yeah the capture is definitely my favorite um despite how much i love the capture and how happy i am to talk about it tonight uh some 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 bad fortune has befallen me lately Uh, Uh uh-oh so i got married as you'll recall, you were there. <laughs> That's not That's the, bad, the fortune. bad fortune. That's not the bad fortune. <laughs> I was going to say that I got married February 22nd, okay? And today's date is March the 13th, correct? Yes. I have already lost my wedding ring. <laughs> Are you serious? Well, I didn't lose it, I'd like to say. I'd like to say it, it lost me. Oh, here's the question. Did you at any point take it off? Well, yeah, that's how you lose rings. Yeah, that was that was your first mistake. And this is why I'm against wedding jewelry in the first place, because it's losable and it's expensive. Yeah, but people don't take off their wedding rings. That's people kind of do the when they go to bed at night. No, a lot of people don't. Those people are weird and old. My my parents never took off their rings except if they had to do something really weird with their hands or something. Well, in this unfortunate instance, and I, I know exactly, you know, how it happened. I, I was getting ready for bed and took it off and set it down on my nightstand. And then the uh, next morning when I woke up, it was just not there. Now, I have at least two animals that I suspect of some kind of uh, malpractice here. I know the cat likes to knock stuff off nightstands, and I, I suspect that my chihuahua, Peanut, might have even eaten it, because she's not that smart. I mean, she eats rocks, so... <laughs> so, your life right now is basically a 90s sitcom. I guess so, yeah, except I'm not, you know, following the dog around the yard waiting for, for her to poop a ring or anything. Why not? I guess i just have better things to do with my time <laughs> i'm just saying like that's that's a common thing to do if you think your dogs ate it you should take a moment at least to just rifle around in there make sure everything's in order oh uh, bro you don't you don't know how much dog poop there is in my yard right now <laughs> dude if freaking uh ellie sattler from jurassic park can go through an entire stack of jurassic or of uh triceratops poop looking for you know, poisonous plants, I think you can look through tiny chihuahua poop. Hey, if Ellie Statler wants to come over and uh, get down on her hands and knees and, and crawl across my snowy backyard, digging through chihuahua droppings, uh, send her my way. I'm just saying, that's it's your wedding ring. It's it's worth the time. 
No, no. There is a symbolism here. I mean, it is the ring that I handed you. And you got married in. I mean, that's... Yeah, no, it's probably working its way through a chihuahua's <laughs> innards. No matter what it costs, I mean, people save, like, dumb stuff from their wedding. This is your ring you got married in. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I still got the wife, so... It's, it's, not, it's not an entire loss. <laughs> Does she know you lost it? Yes, of course. Ugh. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you just go out and buy another one, that might say something to her, whether you mean to or not. No, she's pretty... She, if she cared in the slightest, we would have, you know, spent extravagant amounts of money and got a really nice ring. And Not that it wasn't a nice ring, it was cool. It had silver and wood. I know, it sounded awesome. Well, luckily it's still on sale at Kohl's for 50 bucks, so I think I'll just buy a new one. You know, I just don't think you know how girls work. Oh, me? The the one with a wife doesn't know how girls work. I know. I, that's that's why I'm confounded here. That's I, why I'm I ended confounded. up married to one. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just saying, 30 years from now, you'll you'll not think anything of it, and she'll bring it up and hold it against you. What, she'll bring up my replacement ring, which will be safely on my hand? You'll be in the middle of a fight, and you'll have the higher ground, and then she'll, be, she'll say something like, Oh, well, at least I didn't just let our, you know, let my wedding ring get eaten by a dog and then not care. <laughs> no, uh, I don't think my wife is that petty, Coleman. All right. You you have fun with that situation. I will stay clear of it. You should. But that is, oh, man, I mean, that's that's the ring I handed to you on your wedding day. You don't care. Eh. I'm going to come to Minnesota and go to this Coles with you. And then buy it and then hand it to you. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> or you yeah. can come up and help me sort through the poop. I'll save it for you. Yeah, just get the shovels out. It's not even that hard to look through poops. Like, oh, my dog just pooped. And you glance at it. No, dude, you, you don't understand. I mean, two dogs. And they're both little dogs, so they poop quite a bit. And it's it's just all piled up over winter. <laughs> when it thaws in the spring, maybe you'll you'll get a surprise. You know what? Wow, dog poop is strangely kind of on topic for uh for our our, our book tonight. <laughs> it really is. Uh, but before we get into that, I did want to talk a little bit about um some of the other animorph sites and uh, people out there who have been connecting to us uh, since we started this podcast. Yeah, what about them? Well, they exist and they're connecting to us. Oh. Well, you know, like, uh, I when we started this, uh, the first episode, I obviously looked for places I could post the episodes and see, you know, where the fans might be and, and how we could get to them and shove our content down their throats as quickly as possible. And the place for that is Reddit. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the main one. Um, but I, I want to talk about that a little more here in just a second. First off... I want to give a shout out to Richard's Animorphs Forum, which you can go to at animorphsforum.com. Uh, they still have a pretty lively community. Yeah, I was surprised by the discussion that's still going on there in general. It's, uh, it's nice. Uh, there's a, the, another one called animorphsfanforum.com. Yep, which is at animorphsfanforum.com. <laughs> I was going to mention that next. Uh, which, that one, uh, that one seemed... Up about as active. Uh, there's still some people on there hitting it up, chatting. I managed to find someone in the chat room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, 
we'll leave that for some other podcast you want to do. I don't want to get into the details of your chat experiences. <laughs> Me and Guitar Hero one two three four bonded. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the uh, one of the last things I wanted to give a shout out to was uh, harakdeles dot com slash blog. Um, that's h i r a c d e l e s t dot com slash blog. But no, 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 that was one of the more interesting places I ran across uh, because they are just a huge archive for everything Animorphs. We're talking toys, video games, uh, book covers, galleries, concept art. I mean, just a just a resource oh. uh, for any Animorph fan. They need to check it out immediately. And they, they still update their news and and everything. So uh, I was really, uh, really happy to run across a site like that. Probably going to help us in some of these future episodes. Nice. Yeah, we certainly have a lot of uh, sources of information should we ever need anything specific. Yeah. And I did, uh, I did also get a nice little retweet this week from uh, Jeffrey Long, uh, who's on Twitter. Um, he basically is the leader... Uh, or the he's the creator of a new Animorphs audiobook project that they're trying to get started. I think they're casting some of those smaller bit roles right now. But he also uh, plays Tobias in what they're going to, you know, put together for an audiobook. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, it's nice to get a retweet from him, and it seems like he's got a lot of followers. And yeah, I, I, I'm really interested in hearing what they do with an audiobook of the, you know, start of the first book, and I, I assume just go through the whole series. It's like we are swimming through the ear canal of the Animorphs fandom and taking root in everyone's brain. <laughs> yep. Releasing paralyzing toxins throughout the entire time. But yeah, yeah, so it's good to find those places. And as you mentioned, Reddit, uh, which is just a resource for everything, but uh, they have a crazy active community. The subreddit is uh, reddit.com slash r slash animorphs and uh probably the most active place i've seen online for people just talking about animorphs and we're posting all our episodes on there and uh yeah it's pretty crazy yeah speaking of posting all the episodes on there um it would be super cool if uh people came out so to speak to uh chat about the episodes and talk to us a little bit yeah we also got a comment from user subvisor uh, on Reddit, and they had a really good idea. Uh, they were talking about how we were, in our last episode, uh, or the episode before the last, we were begging for you know emails and audience interaction, and uh, honestly, with how active the subreddit is, um, they made a good suggestion that maybe every week, uh, before we actually record our episodes, we could post a discussion for an upcoming episode on Reddit in that subreddit and i'll reach out to the moderators and see if they'd be down for that much uh spam from just us but uh we could you know take those comments that we get under that discussion and read those and the usernames uh on the air and integrate that into the podcast so i'm, I'm all for thought speak the podcast being integrated into that into that subreddit Right. Uh, just for discussion and, and reaching out to people. Well, we can surely give it a try. Oh, we'll try it. Unless they shoot us down and ban us from Reddit. 
I don't see that happening, but that's possible. <laughs> uh, anyway, but that's uh, I thought it was cool that there's still so many Animorphs fans out there, and we've obviously seen that just from all the people listening and subscribing so far uh, on iTunes and Stitcher. Well, I can wait no longer. I am super excited to talk about the capture. Remember, favorite book? Yeah, book six, the capture, as you said. It's pretty amazing. I think we should go ahead and jump into the review. So you ready? Totally. Help! 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 Wait! Help! 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 Wait! 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 Stop! Stop! Their bodies were now hosts, harboring an alien form of life. A cosmic form, which to survive must take over every human man. So I ran, I ran. They're after you! They're after all of us! Our wives, our children, everyone! Like I've said, today we are talking Animorphs Book 6, The Capture. The back of the book reads as follows. It was really bad when Jake found out his older brother was one of them. It was even worse when Tobias stayed in his morph too long. But nothing compares to the horror the Animorphs are about to face. Nothing. Jake, Rachel, Tobias, Cassie, and Marco have a feeling they know where the Yerk's new base is located. And they've even figured out how to get in. How many people will really notice a few flies on the wall? But they never figured that they might get caught, or that Jake could fall into the Yerk pool. That Jake could become a human controller. A Yerk. The enemy. Wow, yeah, that really builds it up. Right away with that description, you know this is uh, probably going to be a pretty important book to the series. Yeah, I mean, Leader of the Animorphs. Captured. It's called The Capture. Yeah, it's kind of a, a worst-case scenario right off the bat. I mean, this is only the second Jake book at this point. Which I like that. It seems like they're taking, uh, like, when they come back to the main character, Jake, uh, they take his books pretty serious. Yeah, and, you know, if this were a TV show, this this seems like, you know, it'd be a good season finale episode or something. But they uh, they get to it right off the bat. <laughs> Unless you're the showrunners of Animorphs the TV show, where it's like some random fifth or sixth episode yeah did they actually do this episode in its entirety oh yeah well i don't i don't know the extent they went to with the cabin in the woods and all that but uh they did enough of it that they could do the phone call at the end yeah that was something i wanted to point out when we got to the end but uh we'll we'll, we'll talk about that later so this week the uh cover is pretty similar to a bunch of those you have your cloud based background uh it's it's super yellow and Jake is wearing, like, a purple turtleneck? Yeah, or what is that? Well, it's 90s fashion clothes, I guess. Yeah, and he's in the most awkward position. Yeah, that is that is really not a uh, leader of the Animorphs <laughs> majestic pose. Sometimes they put them in weird positions because they want them to be matched up with what they're morphing into. But him sticking his arm out randomly, like, just his right arm, and hunched over like a hunchback, I don't see how that has anything to do with the posture of a fly, but... I don't get it either. But you know what I will say is that the yellowy, cloudy kind of background here sort of reminds me of uh, uh, the Yerk pools, or, or what I believe the Yerk homeworld would look like. Just kind of this dingy, you know, kind of dirty, yellowish, brownish <laughs> atmosphere. The book starts with Tom and Jake are... Uh, Hanging out, having breakfast, as usual. They uh, still banter the way that they 
kind of the way that they used to. It's it's a lot less friendly, especially on Jake's part now. Um, and we have Tom trying to convince Jake to join the sharing because it's so much fun. I mean, how many clubs give you a free space alien? <laughs> and they're, uh, yeah, they're going to do some cleanup in the park. Uh, so really push that Boy Scout, Girl Scout theme. You know, say what you will about the evil space slugs. I mean, these guys are doing some good. <laughs> No, they're really just tidying up uh, for their, you know, their future. It's like it's like if somebody came into your apartment like two months before your rent was up or your lease was up, and they started cleaning up the place. But yeah, yeah, he he invites Jake, and Jake is obviously uh, not joining up fast. He's he's not gonna go run and grab a sharing T-shirt. And uh, this leads to Tom leaving the house. Parents aren't home. They're they're going off playing tennis, I guess, or something. Yeah. And and Jake's, you know, waiting for them to leave so that he can sneak off and practice a new morph. Yeah, a little bit of uh, character development here, I think. At, at least you know, thinking things through. And and I think the previous book had a lot to do with that. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna get into this a little later, but. You get the feeling throughout this book that they're taking things a lot more seriously. Oh yeah, the, the, I mean, you know, Animorph playtime is over. They are they are a team now. Everyone's got their reasons to fight. They all have their reasons to fight, and they're definitely getting more into soldier mode. They're starting to take the war seriously. They are starting to get the feeling that they could die doing this. Yes, as evidenced by uh, Jake you know, wanting to actually try out a morph before anybody else has to. So, so he does. He starts morphing Cockroach and is incredibly disgusted by it, more so than any morph they'd done so far. Well, you know, at this point, I would think that they'd be a little bit more conscious. I mean, he he says he uh, steps in front of the mirror or something as he does it. Yeah, well, that's, that's, just, that's just Jake's personality. He's in the wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> I don't care where the mirror's located. I'm going to stare at it as I morph. Well, this is this is the dreaded, you know, bug morph. Nobody wants to morph bugs. And I guess it's cool that Jake has taken the initiative because roach morph going to be very, very important throughout the series. And um, the fact that he kind of gets into it and realizes that, you know, it's not as terrible as they kind of imagined being a bug would be. Um, in fact, it's not much of anything until somebody accidentally, or not accidentally, somebody comes to his room and turns the lights on, which sends cockroach Jake (laughs) scuttling away. Yeah, what is terrible is Jake deciding, again, to do anything Animorphs related in his house. Just, just walk outside, go into your backyard, or or Marco's new place, or something, (laughs) just stop. Stop doing things in your house, Jake. There's too many, you know, variables and, and problems with that. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. But you know what? I, I don't think it's such a bad idea to practice morphing in their bedrooms, uh, assuming they're alone and, you know, the doors are locked and everything. But just because they morph doesn't mean they have to go... Like Jake here, he goes scuttling, you know, up the wall and through his... Uh, crawl spaces between his walls in his house and he ends up seeing another cockroach which is kind of funny and um some of that is uh it's kind of unnecessary i mean he could have hit out underneath his bed and whoever it was that came in to turn on his bedroom lights would have never seen him 
Yeah, he was just frightened and still caught up in the morph. But this all leads to him ending up uh, behind the refrigerator and, as Marco puts it later, checking in into a Roach Motel. Roach Motel? Roach Motel? Yeah, Roach Motel. Yeah, a Roach Motel. And he's pretty stuck. Yeah, in fact, the uh, chapter ends kind of abruptly there without really explaining what happens. But we do get the obligatory cut to Cassie's barn where the group is assembled and Jake is telling the story to everyone about how he escaped. Yeah, I like those cuts. I, I like how that's becoming a thing where we're, uh, you know, having these neat transitions that don't need to shovel the entire story into you. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I don't think anybody needed a chapter explaining how Jake managed to demorph just enough to push the refrigerator out and climb out of there. <laughs> yeah, but so that's exactly what he does, and he finds out that it was just his parents coming home. Uh, his dad had sprained his ankle or something playing tennis, and uh, yeah, he's you know sitting there as you said, explaining it to everybody at the bar, and they're giving him grief about it. Here we've actually got a uh, little bit of character development by uh, Cassie, who flat out gets very angry at Jake for, for trying out a, a new morph unsupervised without letting anyone know he's doing it. And uh, she she scolds him pretty bad. And uh, I like how Rachel even happens to point out, uh, she says, it's a new, tougher Cassie. I approve. And Marco <laughs> says, I remember when she used to be so sweet. <laughs> Look, now yeah. she comes with a kung fu grip. Uh, this all leads to them Getting to their real business, you know, why Jake was even practicing out a super secret cockroach morph, which, uh, yeah, he's he's getting a little worried. Tom has been rising through the ranks. Uh, the Yerks are, you know, doing something that has to do with a hospital. He finds out that Tom has been talking to all these doctors at this very specific wing of this hospital. And, uh, yeah, he's just he's just in general worried that something's about to go down. The plot is moving right along, and of course, uh, after he reveals this troubling information about his brother, we cut to another home life scene between Jake and Tom. Yet another sitting around dinner table, breakfast table, whatever. They're at dinner now, but we get a lot of these scenes where they're eating and Jake's just staring at Tom's ear. <laughs> no, he's staring at his forehead. Oh, well, yeah. He, either way. It's creepy. Either way, it's creepy. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we get a little bit of uh, background information on the Yerks, uh, just delivered through Jake's narration. It's um, some stuff he heard from Axe, which is a little bit cool. Um, Yerk, you know, world building, character building stuff. But we're going to get a lot more of that throughout this book. Uh, they have another little, little moment, a little bit of awkwardness between them and uh the scene kind of ends with jake going to bed and mentioning a dream that he's been having lately nothing specific yet just the fact that he's been having this weird dream yeah he misses the dream and this is right after you know he went to he went off to go to bed but tom kind of followed him and they had kind of a little fight on the stairs yep. about uh him joining the sharing or not yeah he's, he's really pushing for that sharing but you know you gotta think couldn't Tom just have him kidnapped in the middle of the night, taken away, and infested with a yerk? Of course he could, but there's no reason to at this point. Jake's not important. Uh, the Probably the less, uh, the fewer times they do that, 
uh, the better. There's you know less chance of something happening or messing up or someone getting away. So they probably reserve that for incredibly important people or people who have caught them in the act of something. I suppose. Everyone moves on to Marco's new apartment. And a, a, a very subtle little bit of character development here on Marco's part as well. After it was revealed in the last book where his father says he's going to, you know, get his old job back and start working again. And we just have a, a very little hint of that here. Yeah, it looks like it's paying off. And this is great because they're there specifically to have everybody else uh, practice the cockroach morph and specifically to practice it uh, for understanding human speech while in morph. And there's an absolutely great line from Marco here, probably his best so far. And I'm going to just straight quote it from the book here. I can't believe we are actually going to practice a morph. We never practice. We just do it, and when it's a huge disaster, we try and deal with it then. Yes, I love that. <laughs> that is exactly what everything up to this point has been <laughs> it's just i i laughed out loud when i uh when i heard him say it in the book it was great they discuss their plan to infiltrate the hospital and we get a scene here of jake kind of expressing some worry on his part about getting tom into trouble because as we all know uh visitor three not the not the best boss that you could be working under if things go wrong. Yeah, and Visitor 3 doesn't just take you aside, pull your yurk out, and then punish the yurk. He makes an example of you and your host body. Exactly, as we saw in Book 3 when he, you know, straight up murdered a hork controller for shooting their ship. Yeah. So, but yeah, so he's, he's pretty worried about that, and he expresses it to everyone, and, and even starts uh, mentioning his dream, and kind of, we, we finally figure out what he's been dreaming about, which is pretty, uh, pretty metaphorical. You know, Jake's tracking Tom through the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Tom turns around and, and Jake is Tom and a tiger's coming to him. Wow. That's, that's a metaphor right there. Yeah. But obviously he's just worried about Tom and having to possibly eventually take him out. And, you know, his friends being the good friends that they are, consider the possibility of maybe backing out, but Jake himself says, no, we have to go through with this. I don't care. You know, I don't get special yeah. treatment just cause I'm the leader. Well, he didn't say that, but <laughs> he, he thought it. So. He, he said, you know, I it's, we can't not do a mission because of me. He thought spoke it to himself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cut to everybody meeting up outside the uh, sharing HQ. I guess this is where they're going to go to try and, Learn more about the uh, big bad hospital plot, we'll call it. Yeah, so they, they get into the dingy alley next to the building where sharing meetings are held. and They find an abandoned building, actually. They, they knew of an abandoned building. <laughs> he says they walk into, I think they go into a basement of an abandoned building, even. Well, it leads to them, you know, going full cockroach morph and trying desperately not to watch each other as they morph, but... Uh, they go into Cockroach and, and head into action as Tobias kind of does his thing, scouting out the sky and watching their back on the outside. Oh, one one thing I wanted to point out about how uh, dated this book is, I suppose, is uh, right away at the beginning of Chapter 7, we've got um, 
Rachel concerned about how long the mission's going to take because she says, I set the VCR for two of my favorite shows, but I forgot to tape the movie of the week. Do you remember that from the 90s, the movie of the week? They still have movie of the weeks. They do? <laughs> yeah, on certain channels. Movie of the weeks uh, are still kind of a big deal in the, uh, in the TV industry. I mean, some people really get excited, like actors and stuff. They, they get excited about booking a movie of the week. Oh, well, I guess in this new age of digital streaming and whatnot, I've lost sight of what's really important, the movie of yeah. the week. <laughs> well, movie of the weeks, I think, I think there's probably a ton of them on Netflix. You just don't know they're movie of the weeks because they just show up as a normal movie. Yeah, well, and, you know, every day is movie day with Netflix. We should get them <laughs> to sponsor us. Subscribe today, only $8 a month, and you can still do the DVD mailing service. <laughs> Well, luckily, Cassie's taping the uh, movie of the week, so we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Cassie. <laughs> she, she's she's proving her worth, you know. Yeah, she's she's recording it for all of us, really. If you think about it. Oh yes, um, and I wanted to point out, Cassie has to remind everyone, specifically Rachel, that this is a spy mission. So you know, we, we've got Cassie doing what she does, being the nice girl, kind of. Uh, taking the moment here to remind everyone that they don't want Tom getting in trouble for this. She's got Jake's back. And even at the beginning of the mission, all she can think about is Jake. So you could say they're getting pretty serious. Well, yeah, I suppose. I mean, Jake does mention that he likes her and he just wants to remind us that he likes her three times in this book. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to come up. They're They're, they're all going to... Do some relationship relationship building throughout mm. the story, but but they do make their way inside. They find their cracks and crevices and and get past the bouncer who's outside the sharing meeting. And uh, yeah, they're they're ready to listen in and see if they can glean any secret knowledge from this meeting. It's such an important meeting. Tobias warns everybody, you know, via uh, Thoughtspeak that. Uh, uh, some human just showed up by limo and man he he, he looks bad he's a bad looking human yeah and he's got he's got bodyguards uh who walk in with him human bodyguards so definitely not a definitely not a sub visitor or anything it's just this is somebody important. it's pretty apparent that it's visor three yeah that's it's uh, not a it's not a secret <laughs> no it's also not. visor three uh human morph here I would just like to point out that um, Visor 3 pops in on the meeting like a, like a good leader and reveals their evil plan of the week is to infest the uh, state governor that is planning to pay a visit to their local hospital. Not only that, but I mean, yeah, they took this hospital with him in mind as a target, but they also say that just by holding this place, this one wing of this hospital... They can churn out 200 controllers a month. Yeah, so that's all bad news. I mean, like, really bad news. This this hospital plan is, is kind of a key plan. In fact, um, after this book is done, I don't understand why they don't, you know, simply redo this exact same plan in another hospital. I don't know. Maybe they think the Andalite bandits will see it coming and just stop them again? I guess. There, there's got to be some reason why they don't reuse plans that worked. <laughs> plans that were really good ideas, but... Well, I mean, as we, again, find out a little later in this book, Yerks don't think like humans. They, you know, where we would persevere and try again, 
they might now just see that as a failed, stupid plan and not do it again. Yeah, that could be. I mean, if, if I'm an evil alien trying to take over the world, uh, yeah, I'm thinking hospitals, hotels, probably be valuable in converting I think people. They maybe maybe it took a lot of resources to secure this many controllers and take over this side of the you know hospital. And it was validated by the fact that they would get the state governor uh, by doing this. But if they were just going to do it by itself for no other reason than getting a bunch of controllers, it's just not worth it, possibly. <laughs> Whatever the case is, maybe it just wouldn't make another interesting book. Think about that? <laughs> or maybe they did. Maybe they got tons of hospitals and just the Animorphs didn't hear about that. It's like, it's like you know, it's like book 53 you remember book six, the hospital plot? We're doing that one again. <laughs> you know what? One thing, this isn't the greatest time to talk about this, but um, it does bring to mind the fact that eventually we were going to, we have to talk about if this is the only place that the Yerks are or if they're worldwide. Uh, okay. I guess we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> some, some chat. I just assumed, beginning. I just assumed, no, this was, this was it, but. Yeah, no, I assume that they're just in this area, too. Like, this is their starting ground, and we're still pretty early in the invasion. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> well, after the the big bad evil plot is uh, revealed, we get the team basically being spotted and chased by all the controllers at the meeting here. Yeah, they're all running around their heads cut off trying to stomp these cockroaches and newspapers and shoes and everything cockroaches are extraordinarily difficult to kill i know because of my time spent living with you at our uh, apartment in florida never had to battle cockroaches before in my life those those two years i lived there with you was truly terrible well, it wasn't that bad of a place i think florida is just you know it's a cesspool of breeding monsters like that i don't know dude i tried i, I trapped one in our kitchen sink and i tried drowning it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, they're resilient. Uh, so, so the Animorphs use that resiliency, and they, in general, get away from all these uh, controllers, except Jake, who is kind of trapped in the room. Well, Jake's not doing well. He, he's underneath a, a magazine or a newspaper. Yeah, and when he does sneak out, uh, he's spotted pretty quickly. They all go after him, and somebody brought a can of Raid to the uh, secret meeting. It's probably in their janitor's closet. Yeah, but they, they hit him with it, and uh, yeah, it gets kind of intense. Jake starts dying in Morph. <laughs> That's going to happen more and more frequently throughout the series, though. <laughs> Not a lot of books where you get step-by-step, you know, guides to someone talking about, you know, death and dying multiple times in different ways in different bodies and we dies. should start a count of how many times the team almost dies in morph and is just barely able to demorph in time to save their lives <laughs> yeah because this is this is a pretty close one but he uh he makes his way to the door and he's probably gonna get caught if not tobias uh our lord and savior comes down <laughs> from the sky and saves uh saves Jake. Yes, Hawkboy manages to swoop in in time and pick up a pick up a cockroach and swing him outside. They uh, make it to a nearby roof, and of course Tobias talks him into demorphing. Jake just barely manages to make it out alive. 
Yeah, and they they have a little chat about uh, Tom and Visitor Three after Jake, you know, informs Tobias that that was in fact Visitor Three. Tobias tells him that uh, Jake, uh, or tells him that Tom got in the limo with Visitor Three. So they must be uh, pretty tight, pretty close. They're buddies. I mean, they're probably uh... they they have each other's Nintendo friend code. That's <laughs> what we can definitely surmise. But, uh, yeah, but that just puts Tom in even more danger, because uh, being close to Visitor 3 is not a good thing, no matter how chummy he gets. We cut to Jake playing basketball with uh, a couple of the guys that he knows from school, and, you know, it's a it's a little slice-of-life moment until uh, Marco approaches him in the hall. Yeah, he, he tells Jake that the uh, mission's going to be on a Tuesday. He, he gets pretty specific with the details, and... Tells Jake of his detective skills. Yeah, you know, uh, I was super impressed with this because Marco and everyone, uh, let's let's assume that they are in seventh grade. I I think they're no, no way. Yeah, they're in at, they're at least in ninth grade. No, they I think they're about thirteen or fourteen at the start of the series, and that would place them in. Uh, no, fourteen is ninth grade. Thirteen could be seventh grade though. No, it can't be. If you're 13, you'd have to be, unless you're held back, you'd have to be at least, you know, 8th grade, going on ninth. Well, we've got a lot to go through here. I mean, we're only on book 6. They're still quite young at this point. Yeah, but aren't they like 17 or 18 by the time we hit book 54? I think by the end of the series, they're 18 or 19. Yeah, so that's, that's only a few years this book series takes place in. Regardless of their age... Marco being able to figure all this out. I mean, he calls and <laughs> says he's a reporter and he's trying to get a hold of the governor's schedule and they give it to him. And it's just, it's it's clever thinking for someone who is probably 13 or 14 years old. It was the 90s. He probably got it all off an episode of Columbo or something. <laughs> that could very well be. I don't know. Um, I just thought that was cool. That shows that, you know, at least Marco here is uh, growing and learning as a warrior. <laughs> It's not even about that. It's about we we quickly realize going through this series that Marco is way smarter than any of the other animals. Way, way more clever. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And when he gets motivated to do something, which he is now, and we will see mm-hmm. that throughout the rest of the series, he, he he is probably the best at being an animorph. He is. He's their, you know, tactical, you know, analysis guy. It's, it's good stuff. But he tells them specifically uh, when when the mission's going to be based on the governor's uh, schedule and his, all his detective work that he did to figure that out. And, uh, yeah, they, they're ready for the mission. Also, somebody drops uh, the word b-ball in these two pages. Just want to put that out there. No one says b-ball anymore. Really? And it's, it's dropped at least twice. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Marco's warning them, or Marco's warning Jake about their next morph he doesn't he doesn't say specifically what it is but the hint that he drops is uh not something that jake thinks sounds very promising think dog poop yeah think dog poop yeah that's a good slogan for a t-shirt yeah and as they're talking i did want to i did also want to mention that uh (laughs) jake is holding a grudge against cassie for making them more fans he he drops that there because uh Marco says that the morph that they're going to do for the mission was Cassie's idea. Jake's like, uh, I don't know. She's she's not she's not uh, she's not holding up. 
as our advisor. Yeah, I thought that was great. Uh, you know, apparently, obviously, at least Marco is still holding a little resentment towards Cassie for suggesting such a terrible, terrible morph. Jake is the one who says says something about it. Oh, you're right. God, yeah, you're right. Which is funny, because he says, again, this is number two of him saying he likes Cassie. He's like, I like that girl, but she she's the one who picked out Ant Morph. Next, we've got a chapter that has Jake, Cassie, and Rachel shopping at the mall to buy a present for Jake's mom's birthday. What's amazing here is that Jake says, oh, I'm terrible at getting gifts. Last year, I got her an amazing Spider-Man number three. And she hated it. What Jake's mom doesn't realize, I, I looked this up because after I read this, I was uh, I was blown away. I went ahead and looked it up. Uh, the Spider-Man number three that he got for her on her last uh, Mother's Day or birthday or, yeah, birthday, uh, it's worth about $10,000 because he said it's near mint condition. Huh. Wow. Yeah, so he, he gave his mom $10,000 and she probably stuck it in the attic or something. She shredded it right away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he, he gave her an amazing present. She She just didn't realize it. That's pretty good. I wonder if in the 90s uh, that wasn't that valuable. No, it probably was. I think Kay Applegate's just... I mean, I'm, I'm not a big comics guy, but I, I thought number three Spider-Man, I think what she's going for is she just wanted to, you know, think, oh, that's a cool thing for, you know, a kid to have. But that's worth quite a bit of money. It was probably worth quite a bit, maybe like half that or something in the 90s. I don't know. But. Wow, if they had all that money... Jake wouldn't even need to do his little faux saving here where uh, Rachel tries to convince him that he's saving money by spending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? This is kind of uh, cool. We don't we don't usually get to see this side of Rachel, as far as I recall. No, we get a few times her, her going into super shopper mode uh, in a couple of her books and and some things like that. We we see her so far. This is pretty hardcore. About one it. of the the biggest first in, instances of it happening, though. They definitely talk about it a lot in the other books. Yeah, well, this really just serves the purpose of uh, allowing these three characters to talk about their next morph on the morphing agenda, the fly morph, as prefaced by the book cover. <laughs> yeah, Jake and Cassie kind of go off on their own and discuss uh turning into flies and jake's pretty worried about it in general cassie's a little more relaxed but they uh, drop a lot of movie references throughout this book yeah specifically about the fly though yes here's uh, the start of it <laughs> and you know this is a really help me, help this, is, this me. is a really uh silly kind of childish scene but that's kind of what makes the animorphs books so fun is that they're not all <laughs> doom and gloom yeah and you know what i think the pop culture references uh help make the series more realistic oh totally I mean, usually totally. usually it's you know you think product placement oh or, or things like that and when you see it in movies and stuff but with this i mean these are kids when you're that age it's all what you see in commercials what movies playing blah 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 so it's, it, it definitely helps the series next we move on to everyone morph and fly and it is so disgusting that Rachel flat out pukes. <laughs> yeah, she goes outside and throws up. From witnessing her friends more fly. Yeah, which they're back at the at Cassie's barn, by the way. 
uh, morphing these and trying them out and and getting ready to ride Tobias to the hospital. Does this make any sense to you? Um, I, <laughs> I, I guess flies might be able to hang on to a bird as it flies them across town. No, that's that's a hundred percent believable. I just don't know why they needed to ride Tobias across town. Couldn't they have gone there, found a bathroom or something to change into, and then ridden Tobias up to the window? It's possible. It's definitely possible. But doing it this way, we get to uh, we get to discover that Tobias has fleas. <laughs> yeah. Well, they could have done that either way. I just thought it was, I thought it was just weird morphing at Cassie's farm and and then losing twenty percent of their morphing time. You know, fly morph is one that. I didn't really suspect would be any fun, and um, the the Animorphs themselves certainly didn't think it would be very fun, but as soon as Cassie becomes the fly for the first time, she says, you know, it's like riding a roller coaster or or something similar to that, where it's, it's just fun. Yeah, it's a good thing they have that two-hour limit, because uh, flies only last about 24 hours, so <laughs> that time limit actually probably saves their lives. If they were going to hang out and fly more for an extended period of time. I don't know. What would be more fun? Flying around as a bird or flying around as a fly? Bird. 100%. At least that's a world you kind of recognize. Being a fly, while it might be fun, the actual actions of it, it's still a terrifying existence being that small and being very, very, very bottom of the food chain. Yeah, but you can fly really, really fast compared to your size. (laughs) Yeah, I said it would be like in a helicopter. It'd be similar to flying around in a helicopter that was supercharged, could go crazy fast, and it could also go upside down and hover and do whatever. I don't think I would like the uh, compound eyes, though. I don't know. It's hard to even visualize anything of what that would be like, or, you know. I think they say it's like watching a lot of little TV screens. I heard a great example of some peripheral or something somebody used to see what it'd be like if you have eyes in the back of your head and they wore it for so long that it became kind of like their eyes or their arm where they didn't even notice it. it was just a part of them and so i assume you would get used to it hmm. but still weird still weird well they enter the hospital through this open window and they're flying around basically just looking for a yerk pool or a candrona that's He's talking about poop Talking about poop, yes. In fact, one of uh, one of my favorite lines from the book, again, comes from Marco, who says right away, let's go find some dog poop. Kidding, he <laughs> added a second later. Just kidding. <laughs> I like how he had to specify that. Yeah, but it, it is kind of unique how they find uh, this yerk pool, uh, this mini yerk pool. They smell all this poop and all these scents and everything in the hospital, and they split up into two teams just to cover more ground. And they actually end up smelling out the yerk pool itself. Not that they recognize it from the one time they've been down there, but it is a very different uh, kind of alien scent to their fly minds. And they just decide to follow that, and it pays off. Yeah, and when they find a room that has some sort of metal dome-like container on it, they think they found it. So we get uh, Axe demorphing first. And <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because before anybody else gets the chance to demorph and, and, you know, get the good eyesight back. They hear some some struggling and some noise going on, and Jake asks Axe what's happened, and Axe says, there's a human in here. 
He's no longer conscious. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, Jake and Cassie come up off the ceiling and demorph themselves. And, and now we get a pretty pivotal moment in the Animorph saga. All these books. is You know, we've been talking a little bit about character development. And it's interesting here to find out that Jake is a freaking psychopath. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Jake is a flat-out sociopathic uh, murderer. He's... He's, uh, he reveals himself in this scene, so well, definitely a turn for the series I wasn't expecting. Yeah, but you know what? To his credit, at this point, the Yerks are nameless, faceless enemies. And I think that's what this book is about, is kind of putting a face and a backstory to this, these, these villains to make them not seem so one-dimensional. I agree with you. There's tons of reasons for this happening. They're, like, as you mentioned, they're all super young. And the Yerks are still this new faceless enemy who's just, you know, pure evil. I understand that. But still, I mean, it also doesn't help that Axe is there just egging him on. Axe could care less about, you know, boiling a bunch of Yerks. But but yeah, Jake, Jake, they find this mini Yerk pool in this uh, hot tub. Yeah, terrible, terrible choice in container. Even even though it's, it's deactivated and... and taken apart or something somehow jake has you know repairman knowledge and is able to cross the wires back together to get this thing going and yeah he's, he's gonna go ahead and kill thousands of people <laughs> not quite people but yeah it's, it's the same thing not, I, didn't, I didn't say humans but they're people they're thinking sentient people yeah and he straight up murders them how many were in there they said thousands so, or at least hundreds. It's quite a few. Well, after Repairman Jake, you know, finishes his business and starts the uh, the jacuzzi setting, this is when we get the controllers breaking down the door and busting in shooting. And uh, the jig is up. Yeah, the the jig is up. And Jake happens to, unfortunately, uh, be knocked face down into the yerk pool by one of these ricochets from this this shooting is that realistic yeah, so would a would a ricochet yeah do that Jake's and not shot. kill him no 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 a ricochet could i mean if it if it cuz if you i mean a people have survived gunshots to the head multiple times so it's it's rare but it could happen and a ricochet that means the bullet like basically I doubt it's a full-on ricochet where it hit him and bounced off. It was probably more of a glancing blow that just scraped against his skull a little bit and then flew off. So just enough to extremely surprise him and uh, disorient him enough to fall over. No, it says it, it hits him like right in the head and <laughs> pretty forcefully knocks him in. Well, then it's a crazy small caliber, um, but I don't know. Whatever. It happens. Book said it happens. That means real life. <laughs> Jake ends up face down in the yerk pool. And as we all know, it's not going to end well. Yeah, it's weird that they try to <laughs> they try to just allude to it without telling you that a yerk got in. Uh, like, they try to keep it mysterious, even when the back of the book says that he's going to get infested. Well, no, this is actually really smart um, from, from the, the writer's perspective here, because she says that Jake goes unconscious when he's in the yerk pool he wakes up and he's just got a splitting headache of course why not <laughs> i mean yeah but once you hear that like i'm pretty sure every reader knew what was going on well if they read the back of the book yeah they would 
Um, but but yeah, so so he's out of the fight. Uh, Rachel and Marco make their way, you know, to where the noise is, and they join the fight with Cassie and Axe. Yeah, in and, Battle Morph, and Marco, yeah. in his Gorilla Morph, <laughs> carries Jake out of the place while everyone escapes. Yeah, and they, they get to a kind of secluded wooded area nearby. And the whole time, Jake is just in his head thinking, wow, this headache's getting worse. What's going on? And uh, what, what is this? Is there a voice? What's that voice? That's that's crazy. I don't know what's happening. Jake's hearing voices. Uh, he, he's starting to realize that he you know has no control over his body. Uh, things are not looking good. <laughs> yeah, and on the outside, Marco is standing over him with Cassie and they're just trying to talk to him or get him to react in any way, and he's just zoned out. Yeah, he's he's really really spacing. Yeah, and well, Tobias and Axe show up. Oh, um, this is where no, the no, no, the on. Yerk yeah. starts to find out all about the Animorphs from Jake's memories. He's reading yeah. them like a book. Yeah, and Jake now fully realizes what is going on, and and starts flipping out. We are introduced to the Yerk, good old Temrash 114, recently promoted, (laughs) (laughs) who reveals pretty straight away that he uh, happened to be Tom's former controller. He's going through Jake's memories, finding out about all of his Animorphs, or all about the Animorphs, and this is when he kind of introduces himself. And, and, And immediately following this, Jake, or controller Jake, you know, gets up and starts acting normal and insisting that he's okay when everyone's still quite concerned about his health. Yeah, and and he jumps right into it. I mean, he was zoned out for a bit, but he recovers, and uh, things are not looking good for, you know, Jake trying to give them some sign of him being taken over. Because as he points out, uh, this Yerk is doing a spit-spot-perfect uh, replication of his mannerisms and speech patterns and how he would uh, make a decision on things. He does make a critical mistake, however, when Axe unexpectedly arrives and he turns around, sees the Andalite, and for just a second, which is more than enough time, he makes this kind of sickened sort of face of of hatred and disgust at at seeing an Andalite. And Axe figures it out immediately and accuses him of being the Yerk. Yeah, I'd like to think uh, that on the Andalite homeworld, they have some equivalent to the stop, drop, and roll uh, procedure for, you know, be on alert. Your friend might be a Yerk. Like big propaganda posters. and (laughs) So, So they're just ready. If anybody acts weird or, or gives them, I, I guess, a snarl or bad facial expression. Yeah, you uh, get a tail they're... blade in your face real quick. <laughs> yeah, which is exactly what happens. Right, and Jake at this point, or Yerk Jake, what are we going to call him? Uh... Temrash? Temrash. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm calling it Jake. I don't care, it's Jake. Jim. <laughs> yeah, because Jake and Tim. Temer. <laughs> <laughs> so no we should we should we should uh we should start calling the york tim though i like that instead of tim rash every five seconds i'm not gonna call him either of that i'm just gonna say jake and the york jake and the york tim <laughs> <laughs> J- J- 
with Axe accusing Jake of now harboring a yerk in his his head, everyone is is very quick to jump to Jake's defense. But Axe even says himself, you know, he's no he's no expert on human facial emotion expression, and he asks them, you know, what was that then? Was that disgust, or or was it something else? And it's enough to convince the rest of the team that, all right, fine, you know, he, he did go down in the yerk pool. Maybe we should uh, play it safe and give him the three days of holding time to, to see what happens. At least tentatively, they're on board with, uh, you know, holding him, like you said. And, you know, this, this is where the yerk, who I'm going to call Tim from now on, this is where Tim really screws, uh, screws his cover. Because... He's just fighting it. He's fighting it the entire time. It's like, no, this is dumb. This is, we don't have time for this, blah, blah, blah. And at least Marco is on the sidelines thinking, you know, how would Jake really react to this? And him being so defensive uh, puts Marco on alert and at least pushes uh, more resistance to the idea that he's, you know, normal Jake. Well, and it doesn't really help the case that, uh, he he ends up losing his temper and and calling Axe Andalite filth, which is kind of the uh, <laughs> it's it's the f word for for Yerks, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he tries to come back from that, but I mean, it's it's just silly that he went that far. I mean, I, I know Yerks are an angry race in general. Uh, they've definitely got a you know some sort of cl- complex with the rest of the universe thinking they're small slugs, but uh, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. He, he he flips out, calls him Andalite Filth, and there should be no doubt at that point. The Yurk is still confident, though. He's like, oh, I just messed up. Sorry, guys. You know you know how we do when we get mad at Axe and we call <laughs> I, Andalite Filth. I, I was stressed. It's been a long day. <laughs> yeah, when, uh, whenever we were shoveling snow up in Minnesota and it was a particularly stressful day leading up to your wedding, I will get really angry and call you, ah, human filth! <laughs> That's what you call me on a good day. But yeah, yeah, so that that was just completely unconvincing on Tim's part, not on <laughs> writing's part. Well, he had to have some other sort of tell for them to grow suspicious, or else this book would have had a very different ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the book series is over. <laughs> Everyone starts discussing where they're going to take Jake and how they'll take shifts kind of watching over him for these three days. And the plan is to have Axe morph into Jake to carry out, you know, his family life and uh, try to fool his parents, which we can all tell right away is uh, <laughs> probably not going to go that smooth. I want that book. Yeah, I want that book too. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds, uh, from what we find out later, it sounds hilarious. But Tobias suggests that they go to this cabin in the woods. Uh, great movie, by the way. Cabin. <laughs> But they he he's got this cabin that people don't really frequent that often. It's kind of run down. It's like half the roof's fallen in. So probably uh, pretty secluded and a good place to hold a hostage uh, if you were into that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, important to note, I guess, is that this cabin also exists within the uh, foresty kind of area that they were traveling through in book three as wolves. So, they no shortage of uh, land for the Animorphs team. But they get him there, and the Yurk is uh, still 
still pretty confident. But oh yeah, he's, he's less... plotting his escape at the very moment. <laughs> yeah, but he's a little less cocky. And um, when they actually get him tied up and everything, uh, Jake actually starts ribbing him a little bit. He starts making fun of Tim. And uh, yeah, that's that's not a good thing to do with the yerk in your brain because the yerk immediately starts bringing up all of uh, Jake's fantasies and dreams and, and using it against him to just embarrass him and, and make him feel ashamed of himself and, and small. Uh, which, honestly, this could have been a lot, lot worse. Luckily, Jake is pretty uh, uh, pretty mild-mannered, and his biggest fantasy was just you know playing basketball in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing the Yerk starts doing is... Uh... Plotting his escape, and and he's he's trying to figure out who the weakest links in the team are, and the ones he comes up with are obviously Cassie. Surprise, surprise, since she's the one who's uh, the most interested, you know, in in Jake's well-being. I think he sees that as kind of an easy target, but uh, the other the other target that he he tries to think might be interesting or, or fruitful is uh, Marco, which I think all of us readers know. Marco would never fall for any of his baloney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he completely underestimates Marco. But uh, in this time, you know, they the Animorphs are starting to get together and figure out who's going to stay and leave, and it ends up Rachel uh, is going to take the first shift in watching them, and it gets a little later, and everybody heads out. Rachel sits down, and you know, I don't know if she has a deck of cards or anything, but oh, she's hanging it sh- out. It should be pointed out, though, that... Um... At this point, uh, the Yerk is still trying to barter with them a little bit, and he's he's very doubtful of the plan that, you know, Axe is going to screw this all up, he, he won't be able to pull it off, he, he won't be convincing, and this is when everyone starts to realize that, you know, you are definitely a Yerk. You've, you've blown your cover because Jake would be trying to help us, help Axe blend in. He would be helping Axe learn his role. And by refusing to do that, they know it's it's very obvious that this is not the real Jake they're dealing with. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's definitely. And this is the point when they tie him up in the shack and leave him with Tobias and Rachel to take the first watch. At this point, the Yerk is still very confident of his escape plan. Exactly. And Jake falls asleep. It's kind of crazy that he does, but he's... You know, kind of in the back of his own mind, uh, in some corner, you know, just, just not really, uh, not really knowing what to do or able to do anything. But he somehow falls asleep, and I don't know if it mentioned whether the Yerk had fallen asleep as well, as far as like his host body, uh, Tim. But I don't think so because he says he wakes up. Jake wakes up, and his eyes are already open. So the Yerk is, he's up and he's plotting. Uh, one thing you glossed over, though, is that the uh, Yurk also shares with Jake some of Tom's memories, which are particularly disturbing. The Yurk's escape plan here is to wait until Rachel falls asleep, and knowing Rachel, I cannot seriously believe that she would fall asleep on the job here. I guarantee, in fact, in my mind, I'm certain that Rachel is pretending to fall asleep here to kind of... Mm, goad the Yerk into escaping, you know? Does that make sense? Oh, I 100% I agree. I think she's sitting there, uh, not with it actually on her face, but she's smiling to herself. Uh, no, and, and <laughs> Tobias is nearby watching as well, so you know Tobias is thought speaking to her. In fact, 
it's Tobias and Rachel. They're probably flirting all night. <laughs> That's probably why they agreed <laughs> to take the first shift is so that they could be together. But yeah, I, th- I think they specifically wanted to let the Yurk. Well, Marco even says this later. Uh, they wanted to let the Yurk morph so he sh- so he can see right away he's not getting out of this. <laughs> well, and yeah, and the the the, the Yurk starts to morph Tiger. And I'm just imagining, you know, as Rachel's sitting there pretending to sleep, I'm just imagining Tobias sitting up a near, nearby tree, thought speaking to her and being like, we've got action. We've got a morph. It's Tiger. He's going Tiger. Get ready. <laughs> Code red. Yeah, she's probably pretty, you know, ready to grab the chair she's sitting on to try to just get away from him. And then, yeah, you know, Tobias would help out or something. It must have been difficult for her because she does nothing. He he morphs Tiger and he runs straight out of there. That just shows that Rachel has bigger balls than anybody else on the team. <laughs> yeah. No, well the the, the Yurk specifically mentions that he's not going to kill them because they're very valuable host bodies for which for his, they might have guessed pals. They might have guessed that, but that doesn't mean they know for sure he wouldn't just kill Rachel right there. No, he says he flat out says, "Don't worry, I won't kill her. Her body's too he valuable." He says that to Jake. But that yeah. doesn't that doesn't mean that Rachel knows that he would No, she has no idea what's about to happen. I mean yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. very lucky. I'm sure Tobias was like, Get out of there And and honestly, the rest of the Animorphs didn't didn't go anywhere. They're all around the woods too, so they had backup. Oh, definitely, as as we're about to find out, because Jake and Jake and Yerk <laughs> They they get out into the forest and they're just running free for a while in in tiger morph, and Jake is actively trying to annoy the Yurk. That's that's his modus operandi right now is to try and stall him as much as possible. Yeah, and I love how yeah I love how Jake starts talking to him with the thought that he could distract him and keep him on edge, and the Yurk immediately as Jake just wrote that down in in the book. Uh, the Yurk is like, that's not gonna work. Like they're they're literally sharing a mind. It's it's great. It's really yeah. Funny. It's <laughs> it's a whole nother layer of confusion when he says he read my thought as soon as I thought it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, well, so you're inside your brain. There's there's his obvious like consciousness, but he has a sub subconsciousness within his mind where he can think while he's thinking. It's like a it's like an exhibit meme. <laughs> Yeah, we, we we know you like thinking, so we thought in your thought and your thinking. We put some thought speak in your thought so you can speak while you thought. I don't know. Think? The point is, they're out there in the forest, and the Yerk's getting kind of tired, kind of frustrated. Things aren't going uh, 100% great, but he gets the bright idea that he can demorph, and he's got a much more efficient morph for getting around, and that's Jake's falcon morph. Yeah, and he tries it. He gives it his best shot, but before he can even get halfway into uh, Perigen Falcon Morph, uh, he's hit by some other kind of bird, and <laughs> he's attacked, and it's just confusing and disorienting for him. And finally, somebody is taking advantage of this, you know, two to three minute morph time that it takes. Oh yeah, yeah. If this would have been, if this would have been some TV show or something, uh, everybody would just sit back and. And let the morph happen, and try to stop him. But uh, they're very clever in the way that they uh, basically just entirely shut him down. They don't even allow him to <laughs> really get into any of his dangerous morphs. And this is what we were talking about earlier with the animorphs 
uh, being more organized and and you know using guerrilla warfare tactics against an enemy. I mean, they, this is super well done. Yeah, we've got Cassie in Owl Morph is the one who is revealed to have been attacking him, and Owl Morph obviously much better adapted to the night. Um, whereas Jake's Falcon Morph is, is not going to be as good. And after uh, the Yerk demorphs again, he goes through Jake's list of morphs to try and figure out what's what's going to be the next one and ends up settling on Wolf, which he thinks is going to be super helpful. Oh, yeah, and he, he gets into it. He starts traveling, and this actually seems like a pretty good idea until he starts hearing uh, some howling in the woods. And this is coming from probably the other Animorphs because their plan is to basically warn the nearby wolf pack, which we saw in book three, the encounter, uh, that they know is in the area. Yeah, everybody's everybody's morphed wolf now and they're howling and they're just really getting the uh, forest active and alive because very shortly, Jake and the Yerk run into uh, the scent. I want you to use his name. Use it. Temrash, good old Temmy. Jake and Temmy run into uh, the scent of another, the Alpha Wolf, and it, it's great because Jake is trying to convince him, like, oh yeah, go right on up to that big old Alpha Wolf who's been in tons and tons of fights, and uh, why don't you tell him about how great the Yurk Empire is, and we'll see if he cares. <laughs> yeah, and he, he, he obviously backs off because that's the Yurk way. Yeah, and... but, but Jake is bringing the snark. <laughs> oh yeah, Jake is Jake is feeling pretty confident now. And they, they back up right into regular human Marco. Yeah, I like this a lot. Marco shows up, and he's, you know, he's in his morph outfit, and he's cold as heck, and <laughs> not having I a good this time. Is pretty, this is this is pretty badass. I think this is like a cinematic moment. Like, you know, this wolf walking through the woods, and Marco just walks out of the dark. And is like, are you done? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Definitely. Especially since... Uh, he sees Marco and he thinks he's going to attack for maybe a brief second. And then just out of the, out of the darkness, out of the, the gloom, I imagine there was a, a big hazy of, of fog <laughs> rolling through the forest. And this giant elephant steps out from behind Marco. Very cinematic. Ah, yeah. I, I want to shoot it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Marco manages to convince the Yurk, you know, just don't even try anything. It's it's not going to be pleasant for you. <laughs> and the Yurk agrees. And the Yurk, uh, this this is the thought that Jake has running through his mind that this is the real big difference uh, between a human because a human uh, between a her between a human and a Yurk because a human will keep on fighting the impossible over and over and over again even if it makes zero sense and you know it'll never work. Where a Yurk looks at the situation and is like, this, no, there's no way I can win and just gives up. Yeah. We have the Yurk giving up and following Marco back to the shack. Yeah. And uh, at this point, you know, they go through the rest of the night. And the next morning, attempt number two. The Yurk. Uh, <laughs> Bad idea. Ah, uh, the Yurk just must have not gone through all the memories of this morph because he, he goes ant and immediately is attacked by an enemy colony. And no, I would like shreds. to think that. A lot of the time spent uh, the rest of this night and into this morning, I'm sure the Yurk was just sitting there contemplating his memories of Ant Morph and just how terrible it was and running the the risk of it and thinking about it. 
and it it it's you never even think about this but jake's in there too and when inevitably the ant morph goes goes horribly wrong again this is twice that jake goes through this terrifying terrible terrible scenario of ant morph and getting ripped apart by other ants although this time i think there's a little validation to it what do you mean well i mean like you know sure it's terrifying and everything but jake is just he's got to be giddy that this yurk is like oh i'm gonna get away and it's like oh no <laughs> i don't think so dude i think jake is right there being like oh my god don't it don't don't morph ant it's not gonna work you don't want to do this you really don't everybody has post-traumatic stress disorder because of ant morph and i don't think jake is any different from anybody else i don't think he wants to be doing it and yeah, they, they gloss over it in the book but you know if this was a full adult novel i think a lot this could be an entire chapter on just him and this year debating ant morph again <laughs> but unfortunately we don't get that we just get the the cliff notes he morphs ant it doesn't work <laughs> yeah and this leads them back to the shack obviously and tied up once more and uh it's kind of interesting the the Yurk starts telling Jake about uh, when the Andalites arrived on the Yurk homeworld for the first time and how the Yurks, you know, they only had Jed morphs. And, uh, they <laughs> Did you say barely... Jed? Yeah. You pronounce that Jed? Yeah. G-E-D-D. I've been calling them Ged. Could, could be either way. Who knows? <laughs> alien, alien pronunciations. But... Uh, so yeah, the yurk the yurk goes into uh, a teeny bit about when the Andalites, you know, came to their homeworld and uh, refuses to go further into it. But it's definitely a little taste of uh, something, you know. I I, I want to hear more about, and I, I know where it goes eventually. But yeah, we'll a, we'll get a, a lot more of this another day. Um, and it, it goes into the uh, the last day of of the yurk's life cycle here. And he, he he has one last escape attempt of uh, trying to morph Falcon again. He thinks he can really get out of there with this Falcon morph. That's his ticket. But Tobias right right away swoops right in, gets uh gets a hold of his little preformed Falcon head in his claws, and he threatens to you know he says he could kill, but that's not really what he needs to do. All he needs to do is pull out his his falcon eyeballs and <laughs> he won't be getting very far in that and that is enough once again to shut the yurk down and make him give up and these aren't empty threats i mean the animorphs know that you know jake can morph out of this and be fine so we really could have had an entire you know two or three chapters of the yurk trying to escape and them just mauling whatever body he was in just to hobble him <laughs> yeah i feel like if this were a longer novel uh, I, I would have really liked to see more of this uh, book dedicated to this this part of the plot. They're sitting there talking, Jake and Tim, uh, in Jake's head, and they're discussing, you know, with Andalites. Uh, they're going through, you know, a lot of the Yurk's experiences and his warnings, and it's it's a really contemplative, you know, conversation they're having. You know, the Yurk's given up; he, he knows he's going to die. And uh, as he dies, you know, Cassie comes over and she comforts Jake. And you know, she she was told by Axe kind of what this process would be <laughs> this, like. This part's really gonna suck. 
Yeah, it's just it's not gonna be it's not gonna be nice. Because we are entering the fugue. The fugue state. Or the, the the fugu. <laughs> fuge. Fuge state. Fugu. Uh, fugu. I, I'm going fugu. Anyway, Tim's Tim's on the outs, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and as he goes, uh, and and loses connection with Jake, uh, little by little, um, an interesting thing starts happening. He, Jake starts seeing just a flood of memories from all the other hosts that this yerk has ever had. He sees uh, Jed or, or Ged, uh, you know, eyesight and, and memories from that. He sees he sees himself as a hork bajir, uh, running around, you know, I assume you know, cutting salads and stuff. And um, and he sees himself as Tom, which sees himself as his brother, you know, his everyday life and, you know, experiences being, you know, his closest family member yeah he gets a lot of memories uh from tom here which are kind of cool he, he finds out that the only reason tom even joined the sharing was because he liked some girl that was there and happened upon a uh yerk meeting and really just kind of got kind of got sucked into it by accident yeah i love, I love that for that, a lot of people i love that that uh that tom joined for a girl that that seems to fit his personality and the, the little bit of character development we get with who tom was yeah but um yeah, and then they, then he saw Visor Three. I think I don't think they needed to go that far with it with his why he got turned into a Yark. He could have just been turned the normal way, but but yeah, he saw Visor Three, and they're like, "Get him!" Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they wanted to to make it a little bit more special than the the common Yark host. Yeah, and so as Tim finally has his last breath, Yark's breathe whatever as as tim dies completely uh jake's vision and his you know senses just go hog wild and they're just nerve endings are collapsing and yeah jake's really tripping balls here he he really is and uh he has a vision which is kind of just out of nowhere and very strange for this book <laughs> even knowing the series it's very weird that this is the introduction we get yep to a future character um, but he's a vision of an eye connected to a mechanical slash organic body. Yeah, he's not and sure if it's a if it's a, a creature or a machine. But some kind of huge figure, some powerful being um, that he he just has no idea what he's looking at, and it's just for a flash. But but it happened. There it is. <laughs> that is the introduction of a very. Very important, omnipotent character that we will see later on. Um, right. It's Krayak. <laughs> yeah, it's no really hiding. There's no reason to hide it, but yeah, Krayak, uh, evil god, he's coming. For and he's you coming. know, it he's makes coming. a lot of sense actually that we get this short little glimpse of Krayak, even though he's not named, because given what is uh, going to happen in the next book, um, I guess we we makes sense that we'd start seeing hints like this. However, what I want to know is uh, why this memory of Krayak exists within the Yerk. Did this Yerk encounter Krayak somewhere? Or... Is that what you took it as? I, I took it... I didn't it... take it as a memory. Oh, you didn't? No, I just took it as this is a pivotal moment for Jake, and Jake's, you know, like you said, he's, his brain is going through something crazy, and it just, maybe he just saw... A brief glimpse into the, you know, spatial time flap of the universe. Well, and it could have been, it could have been Krayak just, you know, 
actually watching him because you know, knowing Krayak's knowing creepy Krayak, like that. He does stuff like that. <laughs> knowing Krayak, uh, I'd like to think that this is a pivotal moment in like 150,000 timelines of Jake, where in all the other timelines, some big event happened or they went to Mars or some something crazy, and uh, it just didn't happen in this timeline. But he got a glimpse of it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it could have very well been uh, an instance of maybe Krayak setting up events. Perhaps Jake, you know, wasn't supposed to end up in the Yerk pool with a Yerk in his head, and Krayak kind of tipped the scales like that. Who knows? Or, or maybe this is the first time that Krayak really shifted his uh, his you know, gaze to his the animorphs. Gaze, <laughs> his gaze onto specifically Jake. It could be, and I, I don't know if we'll we'll ever quite know the answer to this, um, but, you know, we'll make a point of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is the moment when the Yerk is finally dead. He, he, he's fallen out of Jake's head. Jake wakes up and looks down, and there's the, the dead, dried-out husk of the uh, Yerk slug that was in his head laying on the floor. And that is the end of this situation. Yeah, it's it's pretty sudden. Um, after he's dead, we move pretty quickly into the next scene. Where are they? Hold on. Are they at a whose house are they at when this happens? This is, it's another scene of Jake at home with his family, and uh, this yeah. is when his parents are questioning his uh, strange behavior over the past couple of days. Yeah. Even even he... Tom points out, um, and we should mention that Tom has a New York York in his head um, which he got before all this happened he got it right when uh tim was granted the governor as a new host yes yes so uh that means uh in essence that tom is now out of the hot seat um as far as visitor three goes yeah and it's 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 a nice little wrap-up scene where they they laugh about how much jake was eating and uh you know obviously jake has much more on his mind He's still glancing over at Tom and having a new perspective on what Tom is really going through, uh, which is just a horrifying experience that he now can relate to. We've got a excellent final scene here of Jake planning a uh, telephone call. He, um, where do they go to do this? I can't. That's what I was asking you. I don't. I don't are they Cassie's barn? Maybe. I don't. It, it's kind of irrelevant where they're doing it from but um jake calls tom on the phone and he half morphs i guess (laughs) to do uh a wolf morph just enough to make his vocal cords kind of sound odd i guess and uh he he delivers a very touching little uh a, a little message of hope for tom here at the end he tells him you know not to give up yeah, and it's it, it's a great way to end the book. I mean, it's a really powerful scene of him doing something extremely foolish and stupid uh, just to maybe help his brother out a little better or make him, you know, not lose his sanity or his, like you said, his, his hope for getting out. Which, I'm going to go ahead and point this out. After having recently watched a few episodes of the Animorphs TV show, I think I think the TV show actually completely nailed this scene. Yeah, really I, well. I was going to point that out too. Is that somebody posted the clip on uh, Reddit uh, a couple of months back um, of this very scene from the TV show, 
And I like the way that the TV show did it a lot better. Um, instead of having Jake kind of awkwardly half-morph wolf and, and kind of garble his little message into the phone, uh, we've got Axe building some kind of, I don't know, phone jammer device or something. Another that, deadly trip to Radio Shack. <laughs> that allows Jake to call Tom not only anonymously, but it also modifies his voice. Um to make it unrecognizable. And I, I think the I think the message that he delivers in the TV show is a little bit more uplifting and inspiring and kind of a tearjerker as opposed to his message in the printed book, which is just, I have a message, don't give up, Tom, don't ever give up. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's uh, just a credit to Sean Ashmore because uh, the rest of the, you know, TV show was terrible. It was specifically that episode it was not pulled off all that well. But uh, but yeah, Sean Ashmore and, and the music that's playing and everything, that, that scene really works in the TV show. And as you said, Axe making the device, even though it's kind of weird, um, makes a lot more sense than them using a cell phone in Cassie's barn. Yeah, like, I guess people yeah. just didn't realize how cell phones worked back then. The show definitely made it more cinematic and more visually appealing. That's for sure. Yeah, I teared up in the show. I was crying like a little baby. <laughs> we all were. Yeah. So yeah. So that's book. That's book six, man. Six In of these the done. Six. That's five plus one. And this this was my favorite book. So, um, I guess it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> I reread this one so many times. It's got to be my most reread book. Honestly, from before I, you know, did this reread, I just remember this book as the hospital and the entire time Jake being uh, infested with this yerk, uh, Tim. Because I don't remember any of the other stuff. I that that part was so powerful and so well written. It's all I remember from this book, even though I read it so many times. Yeah, I I guess I just constantly forget um, how how short uh, the yerk being in inside Jake's head is. Um, it's, it's definitely the last third of the book. Um, but it's, it's still fine. I mean, we get, we get two new bug morphs that are interesting enough to carry the rest of the book. And a great horned owl morph. Uh, yeah, that's, that's in there too. It's new. <laughs> oh, you're right. That is new. Yeah. That's, that's... I just hadn't even thought about it because I don't pay attention to Cassie morphs. <laughs> and, you know, we were introduced to... A character who's been with us since the beginning, Tim, and we lose him immediately. Well, don't get too attached to any of the Yerk characters, I guess. They're my favorite characters. <laughs> no, not really. But no, I thought I thought Tim was special, man. I was really connecting with Tim. I thought he was going to turn into an animorph at the end of the book. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't meant to be. This is that is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to admit the complex character and amazing emotional uh, range of Tim the Yerk. That's that's all I want. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> no, I won't even give you that. He was a shallow dick. <laughs> yeah, that was his character. It was great. Too bad we won't get any more development out of him. We will miss you, Tim. We will miss you. What do you think they did with his little little dried up yerk body do you think they just 
left it there, or maybe gave him a proper burial? <laughs> Tobias ate it. Oh, gross. <laughs> hey, life's, life's hard for a hawk. You know, he's got to get it where he can. I guess so. Um, maybe we should get into the review. <laughs> okay. Honestly, I'd like to think that Tim survived and uh, got into Tobias somehow. Because they'd never know, so... Device and Tim formed one character for the rest of the series. I'm not even entirely sure that Yerks can take over animal bodies. Tim could. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, yeah, with that, let's move on to the review, shall we? So, I'm going to take after you and your last review and keep this one incredibly short. Uh, it's, it's an amazing book. It's... I'm not going to say it's my favorite book. Because my three favorite books are coming soon. But um, it is a great book that I absolutely love. Reread a ton. Uh, some of the stuff at the beginning is a little, you know, hopping around. Uh, but this is a very confident book. A very well written book. The characters are great. Uh, this is the Ballad of Tim and his life and death. And it's, it's great. It's amazing. Five out of five. Five out of five jacuzzis in honor of Tim. Ooh. Five out of five. Five out of five. My second five out of five since book one. Well, that's it. We got to get that number up. Yeah. Well, let's let's see what you give it. I I don't think there's gonna be any uh, surprises on your end. Oh no. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give that part right off the bat. It, it's definitely five out of five. Uh, fly morphs for me. <laughs> you yeah, want to know why? Gotta... You want to know why? I do want to go into it <laughs> because it's just such a good book. This is. This is probably one of the books that I've read uh, multiple, multiple times, probably the most times, and it, it never fails to disappoint. We get so much character development that uh, it's it's such a crucial book. We, we learn so much about the Yerks as a species and just uh, individually. We get we get a single Yerk identity here that that is differentiated from, you know, the only other uh, Yurk that's really mattered thus far, Visor 3 and Visor 1, um, we get to see Chapman. what their foot soldiers are like and their dreams and aspirations and fantasies and all that. Yeah. It really, really kind of personifies the evil of the series. And yeah, we, we, <laughs> we get to see Jake and his, uh, in his most sociopathic kind of moment when he's... Oh, 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 oh. Let's not say is most sociopathic. He has plenty more. No, I mean thus far. Thus okay, far. Okay, yeah, yeah, correct. <laughs> um, and you know, just how about the time Jake brought back Hitler? That was a good one. <laughs> so many, so many uh, 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 subtle character developments. Um, it's it's just a really good book. This is this is what I call crucial reading for anybody rereading the series. Yeah, it's it's excellent. We're both in agreement there. And uh, I worry that we're being too good on the series and that people are going to, uh, you know, be like, oh, they're just this is not a review show. They're just padding every episode and, and talking, talking it up. I promise you, listeners, while I can't speak for Mitch and his uh, happy go lucky style of reviewing, I will be tearing certain books absolutely apart. I'm ready that we just haven't gotten to them yet. So look forward to that. I don't know. I don't know why you expect that i won't be because it's funny it's, that's i can't i joke. can't i can't wait to uh to tear apart a a bad animorphs book but i yeah i'm looking for i'm looking forward to your first three out of five too i've you know <laughs> that i've given a three out of five 
I, I'm yeah, I'm anxiously waiting for my first two out of five. That book was only okay. <laughs> Are we giving zeros? Is that is that a thing? No, no. Lowest is a Why? one. Oh come on. No, that throws off the whole rating system. <laughs> it's our rating system. Yeah, and I don't want it thrown into disarray. I like the the three to five rating system. <laughs> it's worked well for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got gotcha. you. But that's it. I mean, it's, seriously, it's it's a great book. I, I can't even think of anything bad to say. I guess I'm only disappointed that the, uh, the Yerk in his head stuff is not a little bit longer and more of the, the focus of the book. I mean, they definitely bill it as, this is the book where Jake becomes a Yerk, a controller. And that's a very small part of the book in actuality when you're looking at it. Um... If they had if they had spent you know a, a couple more chapters just focusing on on, on the mental anguish uh, a little bit more not that that part was lacking in any any way because it really wasn't um, that's the only thing I can say yeah it's it's an it's an amazing book so good times all around Tim we're gonna miss you but uh, that's that's it that's what those are our reviews so that's book six we had a great time with it <laughs> we really did and gotta say to take a leaf out of your book really excited for book seven yeah book seven we get another key character introduction a character introduction that leads to one of the best books in the series based around his character his chronicle book so really looking forward to his introduction and and seeing how that all starts again yeah and yeah book seven the stranger that's one that i haven't read since uh, probably the fifth grade. <laughs> I read like half of it an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll start working on it very soon. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun. So we're both in agreement. five out of five on the capture. Five out of five. And uh, we will make sure to uh, put the links to those websites that we mentioned at the beginning of the show in the show notes uh, so that you can visit those at your leisure. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna include a link to the uh, the final scene of the book from the TV show because I think it was really really well done, and if anybody hasn't seen that yet, they might as well. Very very good idea. Um, and if we start implementing uh, like that that Reddit integration, like I was speaking about at the beginning of the show, we will you know add a section right here where we're speaking right now, and have that ready to go, and we'll add another. Uh, We'll change up the format a little bit and add a section uh, right here for that. So I thought you were going to say we will add uh, another half an hour to the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We we will uh, we'll add that here and be able to talk a little bit about that and and add your views into uh, our podcast because this isn't just about us. You know, we want it to be about you and your enjoyment of the podcast and, and your thoughts and views on upcoming books. So if you see that discussion thread on Reddit.com slash r slash animorphs uh jump in comment and we'll use your username and put your comment on the air yeah and you might as well just start telling us what you love about uh book seven the stranger because that is the one that we'll be reading but i think that's gonna do it for tonight so uh thanks for listening to thought speak join us next week when we review book seven the stranger if you enjoyed this episode you can keep up with the show by liking our facebook or following us on twitter at Morphcast. 
You can send us your questions or comments by emailing thoughtspeakcast at gmail.com. Rate the show on iTunes and Stitcher so more people can find out about it and join the conversation. That is it. This is Coleman, last surviving member of the Nostromo, signing off. <laughs> and, and this is Mitchell, regular guy, signing off. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one, folks. Until next time. Until we meet again. <laughs>